Yeah, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Yeah, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're talking with Maxwell Reed, the co-founder of the Kingdom of Something. I spent a lot of time checking out the uh, work of the Kingdom of Something. It is beautiful. It's cutting edge. It is um, the exciting stuff that people talk about and think about when they talk about creative agencies, the work done. Now, what they're doing is motion graphics, and it's really cool. And I'm a little bit off topic from talking about Maxwell, but first, I just really, just how cool it is. And it just reminded me of some of the exciting stuff I remember early in my career. And the graphics were really, really basic back then. But looking at it, I was just really, really impressed with the work they've done and the work they're continuing to do. So really much of an aside here, but if you really want to have some fun, just go check out the King of Something site and the work they've done. Now, getting into talking about Maxwell, what I love is Maxwell's someone who's put in the work to build in. He's worked at a big agency before starting King of Something. He did all of that sort of extension of grunt work to kind of get to this creative thing. But in this conversation today, Maxwell talked really about the effort to build his leadership capabilities to develop a collaborative culture, that the business requires all sorts of focused effort, but the work needs to be creative and output. So talking about what he's had to do for himself, really interesting about focusing in on his genius, yet putting in the structure and the effort to make sure that he can attract the type of employees and the team that allows him to be to produce this creative work. So, you know, going into the type of culture he needed to build, I think will be very interesting for those of us who are trying to straddle the line between execution and creativity. Really nice to kind of dive into some of the things, you know. He works and the effort behind the scenes to create this safe, fun environment for his team, yet the responsibility it has for him to be able to do that. And I think a lot of us will struggle with that as business owners and building our companies. It's like, oh, how do we do this? So take a listen when Maxwell talks about that. I think it's also interesting where he kind of talks about, especially in what looks to be such a fun agency, that fine line between being the leader and a friend. It is really easy, especially when you're early in your thing, when you're building a team of such cool, fun people that the line between who's you know being in charge and making sure everything is working and then also just hanging around and enjoying their company, you have to build that line. And it's very fine. You can't be too much one way or the other. And I find it very interesting how Maxwell talks about really focusing on developing what would be best for the culture 
and using that to push his line. Also, just that fine line of flattening the hierarchy, making sure that he's not over-relying on roles and responsibilities of multiple peers, rather really putting the effort and the work to kind of create a good, strong flat and, and putting itself that he realizes his team has to be better than him and what that means. Talking about doing the work that he wants from his team, not just expecting of it. Kind of a fun thing. Really, at the end of the day, I just really enjoyed talking with Maxwell from my own agency experience because he really captured a lot of the tension between growing creativity and the responsibility of running such an organization. So yeah, you'll hear that tension and he kind of works on it. And as you look at your own experiences, I think that tension is always the fun part of what we do. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Maxwell Reed. Let's get into it. Hi, Max. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I am really excited to have you here. I am equally excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Cool. Well, you're in Amsterdam right now, aren't you? That is correct. Uh, I've actually been here for nearly 10 years now. It's, um, in short, it's a fantastic place to be. I'm, I'm never stuck in traffic and it's, it's a beautiful city in, in so many ways. It's my favorite city to visit and I've, it is a lifelong goal to spend yeah, you know, to actually live there. I used to, um, when I studied in Copenhagen way, way back, um, I used to spend my weekends in, you know, Amsterdam just because it's so beautiful. And it's like, you can go from craziness to just like the most relaxing chill. And, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah, city. You can go from rave to brunch to playground to petting zoo all within the same couple of blocks it's uh it's truly a city for everyone and i think what really drew me to it to begin with was the, the it has a sense of acceptance to everyone and anyone which really makes it a home if you want to be let's say a successful entrepreneur or you know you want to work in finance there's a place for you if you want to be a, a hippie or a you know a painter there's a place for you it's it's and i for me personally being surrounded by a large variety of people was something that you know this city really provides unlike most others i would say and also the fact that i can bike to the other side of the city in 30 minutes yeah and not stand still at a red light. So lots of benefits. <laughs> well, I'm very, very jealous, especially since I've now moved back to the States. And while I do love my country, it's um, spending any time I have to go anywhere, I have to drive. It's very disappointing after having lived in Spanish villages in New York City in my past. So I'm very jealous of your experience. I'm also really jealous, as I was telling the audience just a couple of minutes ago, the work you guys are doing. And I started off way, way long ago, you know, in production for different creative agencies and sort of moved my way up through the agency chain right from the very early. But creative, when it's done well, it is, I know the amount of hard work and the team building and just the mental anguish to get it there. But when it's done so well, it's just, it is 
so enjoyable to see other people do great work when you know, you've been through the <laughs> So like, I was just telling how amazing I felt you guys are doing. I would love to kind of, to get to that skill level, there's so much that has to be developed and come through. Where do you see yourself right now as an entrepreneur? And how are you sort of marshalling your capabilities to create this level of work? Right now, personally, as an entrepreneur, I would say I'm, I'm moving gradually the last, I would say, few years. I've been gradually moving away from production. And I'm actually kind of end up jumping in, giving my feedback and yeah, honestly, just trying to to prep my team and and groom people to really take over even the creative director role that I technically hold at the moment. I kind of want to get rid of that so I can focus on the business because that's where I believe my strengths are is is networking. It's interacting with people. Spoke to one of one of our consultants, uh, Joel Pilger. Yeah, fantastic. He used to run a very successful production uh, agency a few years ago, and he's turned consultancy called RefThink. Highly recommend to to look them up, listen to their podcasts. Um, so we did a course with Joel, and he did a really we did a really interesting exercise that's called Find Your Genius. And as part of that, we we had to write down all the tasks that we do in a day's work or you know in a week's work. And as an, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know that it's an becomes an infinite list of things, uh, depending on where you are. But I feel like at any given time, it's just you're kind of doing the job of 10 people minimum. And so he said, like, okay, to cross out, uh, you know, what you're what you're terrible at. Just stop doing that right now. Delegate. Give it to anyone else uh, that's not as terrible at it, essentially. Uh, and then you sort of go through so terrible, you know, acceptable, I'm actually excellent at it, or maybe something you're good at. So you kind of categorize them. And then the final category is what's your genius. So you can be exceptional at something and you can do that and you'll, you'll do a great job. But when it comes to your genius, what really defines that is that it is something that you do without even, you know, even thinking it's, it's something that comes naturally to you that maybe for others is very difficult. Let's say if you're if you're a natural born producer, then you're just generally organized. You just love organizing. You're really good at it. You know, some people are just built like that. So, you know, I think our goal is has always been to end up focusing purely on our genius. And for me, I've found that, you know, I, I think I'm a, I can I'm adequate at the very least a creative director and animation director and and I've done very good work in the past. But again, I'm trying to move away from that and focus on how I can help the business move forward? How can I get the projects that the, that my team wants to work on and improve our portfolio? The better our portfolio gets, the more trust we get for clients to get even better work. And you know that it kind of uh, yeah. keeps rolling upward and beyond, which is obviously the goal. And and for me to do that is to focus on networking, uh, doing talks, uh, even doing podcasts like like we're doing now it's it's getting out there i just i get so much energy when i go to a to a networking event or a festival or uh as we call it in the creative industry but it's actually it's not really a festival <laughs> uh, networking event. yeah um conference sounds boring for creative people so we call it a festival no but going to a confident conference uh, i think for a lot of 
people can be fun, but very draining. And I have the opposite mm-hmm. effect when I, when I've been and I've met people I've never met before. I, we talk shop and, and stuff like that. I find myself incredibly energized. Uh, and I like almost for a week or two afterwards. And I found that to be strange at first. And then it kind of dawned on me that, okay, well, this is clearly something that must be a genius of mine. So yeah, that that's where I'm focusing and trying to go towards right now. So stepping away from the production and making sure that the team gets what they need. Well, when we were talking before we started, you talked about like early in days, it was just sort of like, you know, building the team and like trying to get your name noticed, getting the work done and then kind of growing because you didn't have the resources to pay. Can you maybe talk about like, it's a very hard thing, one, when you have very little resources to get a team that can do the type of work you want to do. That becomes that sort of like one, that hard, like, hey, let's put on a show and anything goes, we'll figure it out. You know, you steal from Peter to pay Paul, you know, all those crazy things, just force of will. But then there's that transition point where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle of like, wow, you've built, as I always, you know, with love, call it, you know, you build this, you know, island of broken toys, this great talent that doesn't fit for anyone else, but you build them into a team and like, they're amazing. But then you reach a different point. How do you deal with like bringing these people up? Because you were talking about, you know, literally just, you know, continue growing to over, you know, get this great, great result but also to provide a great result for your team. How were you able to grow and then transition as you guys became bigger? And, you know, the difficulty, yes, less stress, but more difficulty in sort of the bigger moving picture here. I think we're still at this size and and will be for, for the foreseeable future, at least. We're still at the size where we can, you know, it's easy easy quote unquote i I think it's easy it's not easy for everyone i guess uh but maintaining you know culture we're not at a corporate level right we're we're still a small team we can really work and craft and make sure that everybody's on the same page so we have that going for us because i've seen companies grow that had great culture and then it's it's hard to maintain you make you acquire people or you get acquired and then there's two Mm -hmm. different you know cultures and all those things so I think at its core, part of part of our success and how we're able to bring people in and make them a strong team very much lies in our ability to create a strong team culture. And it's it's something that we really live and breathe. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it comes down to the culture. So to decipher that in a way, let me think about like the ingredients. I mean, it's again, it's just something that we've, we've just been chiseling away at. <laughs> You know, we we really we want to make sure that it's in a safe environment to start with. You know, we we mm-hmm. start every every Monday morning. We try not to make it into hey, we're we're your boss. We try to keep a flat hierarchy and not try to be like you know we're the owners. You do what you're told. That we a hundred percent stay away from. We find that incredibly toxic and demotivating. You know, we have we've had people that have been like, yeah, I'm surprised that you guys say thank you when for for everything and i'm like do you mean 
basic human decency? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm just like, what, what kind like, there's, there's companies out there that I'm just like, how, why? But just respecting people and also letting them be human. So the flat hierarchy, you know, and we actually started off with super flat hierarchy and we actually noticed that it almost became a lack of leadership. So we've, we've kind of really worked hard on finding a balance between sort of boss and friend and, you know, yeah. and that's ended up in one of our main kind of cornerstones and mantras, I would almost call it. And that is freedom with responsibility. If you want to take a day off kind of last minute or you, hey, take half the day to uh, travel somewhere or you have a dentist appointment or you want to go dye your hair, like uh, whatever it is, it, yeah. do it. But make sure that you it doesn't affect your work. Make sure that what you need to get done gets done and make sure that it's good quality. And again, the quality aspect, uh, you were talking about our portfolio, which thank you very much. You know that we also put that effort in there ourselves, you know, um, I'm I'm there to really coach them and sit next to them and figure it out, especially our juniors. Um, you know, uh, we we are there for them to make sure that they learn, develop, are listened to, hear their frustrations, but also find a balance of pushing them. You know, like almost to the brink of frustration, and not let them kind of give up but also feel when they're pushing back and say, okay, you know, like I feel maybe let's put a pin on it. And and again, maybe it's basic human decency, but compliments say, hey, look, this part is really good. And ask them, why do you think this is not working? You know, instead of just telling yeah. them this isn't working because of this and that, it's like, how do you feel about this? Okay, like, because you've been there, you've had those frustrations. So you can really relate and you already have the answers. You kind of want to let them figure it out and kind of nudge them in the right way. And that feeling when they at least feel they've helped figure out the solution is is so much more efficient than just being told what to do. Yeah. I want to dive into that more, but that does resonate because I just recently, about a year and a half ago, one of, I had this amazing strategist way back in the early knots brilliant and just understood like when he focused could do things with digital that just made audiences just gush he could wave his you know sometimes you just see people understand how to make things and you're like oh let's do it but at the time most of the time he wanted to get high and play his guitar in his you know really bad band and it was like the more i put it was like i couldn't 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 and then you know we after a while, he went and just kind of like, ah, I'm just going to chill. He got married a couple of years after that. And it was just so funny because I remember hearing he had, he had a child. And then a year later, he joined, he joined a new startup as a CMO of a company. And like within three years, they went public. And it was just so funny because he was such a different person when I saw him again because he was just like <clears throat> dialed in. It's where people are. You know, like, Kids will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> believe me. I, yeah, my yeah, my big success was because oh shoot, <laughs> I have kids. I need to cannot stop. But that type of growth, yeah, you know, the type of growth of understanding and growing and moving your people. I remember my experiences. It was a lot of empathy at first, but not very effective guidance. 
and then using the experience over time of realizing that it was more than empathy that was kind of how to go how were you able to sort of transition your ability to support your team over these years uh you used the term chiseled you talked about chiseled you've talked about sort of growth yeah the growth of how your team responds because i'm just trying to get that what you what you're saying about supporting your team very great very straightforward except when you look at it there's so much work that goes into getting to there to like how to support people in that right way and you know you've had so much growth to be able to do this so what did you kind of see happen for your own ability to support people i think uh, i was fortunate enough to have uh, a good boss so i, I started my career at uh, now probably the biggest production company on the planet called media monks uh, so i came in there i i believe i was like technically their first motion designer uh there was other animators but it, they were all kind of hired us flash animators doing banners and stuff like that so i came, I came in at a, at a time of, of huge growth for them and as a junior that really allowed me to and you know i i, I always pushed for quality like I, w- I would sit late i would sit until midnight i'd i wouldn't let anything go until it felt good so i mean there's mm-hmm. there's a base there that kind of ripples through our work in general so that's me having a high standard for myself has sort of allowed me to put that standard on the people that we have on our team today because i've been there and i know what it takes and i can push them if that's not something they're willing to do there's a bunch of other studios out there but i know that each and every one of them wants to be be here they they they're here because they don't want to do mediocre work and it's something that we repeat often you know it's like we it it's something that's always on our mind and it's a part of our identity and everybody's sort of in that same boat let's make this project even better let's push it even if it's out of budget like it needs to withhold a certain quality so there's that uh, that aspect to it but at my time at media monks i was fortunate enough to have a a boss uh called pierre and kind of together we managed to uh create this kind of very nice vibe at the office and it was very uh and above all so what i'm what i'm trying to say is he taught me what a, a good balanced boss could be cuz he was very much a friend we would hang out we would do things uh, team activities after work he was game he wanted to do things uh, you know he wasn't a, a boring individual he was our cheerleader he uh, you know he was he was there uh and just generally an awesome dude that you kind of love and respect and but that's easily overrun if you become too much of a friend you kind of lose control over you can't be stern you kind of people take your word and kind of like yeah sure i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with but for him you know i remember i was the one disagreement i think we've ever had and i've seen him do this with others as well that when you you need to find a certain line you know when what is acceptable and what's not and when you cross that line he would you know it it's sort of that 
person that you have a lot of respect for and, and, and love, and then you disappoint that person, that is almost more powerful than the whole hierarchy, right? So his ability to be a friend and loved and somebody that I wanted to, to work hard for uh, beyond my own uh, sort of work ethic and his ability to really be stern when it needed to really resonated. And, I, and I've had to do that myself. Um, you know, we, we do have very kind environment to let people, you know, if they're having a rough time, that's fine. You know, we have a check-in every, every Monday morning to see how everybody's doing. You know, it's also like, what did you do this weekend? You know, but most importantly, how are you feeling? You know, are you, um, did your cat die and you feel really down? Cool. That that's, that's, well, not cool, but <laughs> that's good for the team to know. So we can keep those things in mind. And we've had times when it, you know, being kind, sometimes people end up taking that for granted. And that's a very human thing um, to sort of get used to it. And we've had times where we kind of had to snap people out of it and be like, look, you've kind of been allowed to be, let's say, negative or, or underperforming or something. And then, uh, however, it's enough is enough. Okay. Um, we, we know that th this problem is no longer a problem, yet you've maintained your negative attitude. And when you sit down and have that stern conversation, when you're so nice normally, again, it's a very difficult balance, but that just, it, it just rings home so powerfully. There's, you know, because these people, the people on our team, and I, I know it's, it's weird coming from me, but they really, really want to be here. You know, this is more than just a job. So when we say you need to shape up, there it's it happens. To be able to do that sounds like you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. You can't just sort of absolutely let yourself go with a flow. You know, you have to you know consistently push yourself to be able to, because that balance is not the normal way we go about. You know, it's like usually it's like hey, we either distance ourselves. You know, we all have sort of our equilibriums, but that is work. What you're talking about doing that's not just a natural thing that people do. So, how do you work on creating that higher standard for yourself? How do you work on being that better boss entrepreneur? Again, I think it's it's not really stepping away from the hierarchy. Like I am uh, Alex and, and myself, as we are, we're the owners, if, if you may, we're yeah. not better than anyone else. And that includes the interns. You know, I, I clean the coffee machine and I respectfully ask other people to do it. You know, I'm not beneath anything. And it doesn't mean that you always have to be the person doing it, but you need to be willing. Because like right now, I, I, you know, I'm stepping away from production. And, you know, if when, when something comes in and I know the team doesn't want to do it and it's not fun work, if I have the time or even, even I'll do it after work, I'd rather most of the time go in and do evening work myself than to ask somebody else. If, if I can, if I can't, then I, I then I'll definitely ask somebody else. And I'll actually not feel bad about doing that if I can't, because I, they know that I'm willing to do it myself. I'm not asking anyone to do anything that I haven't done myself. And most of the time I've been there myself. Quite frankly, most of the time <laughs> uh, I've done a lot 
more. And I, I think we don't do a lot of overtime and we don't do a lot of these things and we kind of protect our people from those things. And I think they know that. I think uh, if you are able to, if you have the confidence in your work and you know how to work with your clients and, you know, now we're stepping into like client relations, they can also feel these things. You know, if you treat your, your clients with the same candor, they're also going to respect you. They're also going to, when you say, hey, this is not doable, but here's a solution. How does that sound? Does that solve your problem well enough? Instead of being, you know, we even have that on our website. Uh, you know, we're not your order taking vendor because we're not. We're here to help you solve your problems. Because if you want an order, like you hired me because I'm an expert in something, right? Then if you want somebody to take your orders, then you're not hiring somebody for their expertise. You're hiring somebody to execute something. And there's less value in that. And you also don't gain the respect. And anyway, that's a whole no. different rabbit hole. of. No, I agree. I think the best compliment I ever got from a client was, um, and it was a large CPG company. And they were like, your team is just like, they're having so much fun doing this work. And it's good work. They just couldn't understand. <laughs> this is like, you know, it's doing this because it's fun. You know, at the end of the day, you know, moving some pixels around or moving numbers around can be incredibly boring. But at the end of the day, it's not digging ditches. It's not, you know, if, if you make it, there's so much that can be done here. If you, again, if you, if you approach it from like, uh, you know, we even have that as our, our slogan, if you may, you know, we're the problem solving dragon slaying motion studio. Uh, or production house, depending on uh, how how we frame it. You know, coming at it from a problem solving perspective, and that that entails expertise, and it means that you're really listening. So stepping away from what do you want? Okay, it's going to be this much. Thank you. We'll go do that for you. We always go. Okay, what's what's your budget? What's your timeline? And what are you trying to solve? And the last one's absolutely the most important and that leads to more questions why do you need it by this date what 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 is this effect going to have on your business why do you think this is a good solution if they have you know an, an idea in mind and if you decipher those things and we've had times where you know people come to us and hey we, we want to do this and we ask these questions and we end up going like this is not what you need like we're actually losing work on this but we'd rather just make sure that people get what they want because that's going to pay itself forward. Um, and if you can establish, especially long-term clients, you come in, hey, maybe they just want something and, and you ask those questions, they've already, they feel like they've figured that out and, and a lot of times they have. And you do the project. With time, if you keep that sort of mentality in mind of what's the actual problem, how can we solve this? Be a little bit more agile rather than just an order taker. You're yielding and you know, sort of you're building a relationship with your clients where they can trust you so they can just throw a problem we've had huge uh, like international like multi uh, i don't know if you guys know publicis sapient for example they're, they're <laughs> huge huge yes. uh you know we've we worked with them basically from from day one and, and we still do there's been times when they just like, hey, we got some of our creatives are on, on vacation, et cetera. Can you guys just 
do the entire creative, et cetera, basically do our job for us because they they trust us, right? With those relationships where they feel like they can really trust that you have their best interest at heart will allow you to actually do the work that you want to do. And that's how you sort of, you know, you can, if you pitch something and say, hey, look, here's here's a style. And it's important to not let that go too far. So you're just doing it for you. It needs to really fit what the client needs. It should always be the baseline. But the more you grow that relationship, the more you gain their trust, the more likely they're going to be like, if you think this is a good idea, here's money, go make it. And you're going to be making things that you want to do, that you love doing, and that your team's going to be love, love to do because it's because it's what you want to do. And if people want to do th something, they're going to be motivated. They're going to be enthusiastic. They're going to do great work, probably the best work they've, they've done. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you ask me. It is, but it also kind of calls up, and this is fun, especially with the economy we're looking at, you know, what's the balancing point to get into some agency fund stuff? It's like, what's the balancing point between putting, you know, creating these works of love, you know, of passion, and then the agency business side, because to a certain degree, you always have to be hunting because you have so many, you know, you have your team to feed. You always have the business requirements and then, you know, the passion to, one, feed that. You know, you have to be able to do the work, but you have to get the work and you have to support the, you know, it's that lovely little circle that I think so many agencies flounder on. And there are certain degrees where passion can take you really high. And there are some people who've, gone way past it. But the realities of running an agency, yeah, they're pretty hard. You know, what are you guys seeing now as, you know, who knows where the world has come? One, you know, I won't even talk about last night's news versus this morning's news. It's just like, you know, what yeah, that's you know, a rabbit hole. How are you seeing I know. Later today I'll look and see and hope it's all different again. But like, how do you balance that? And how do you make sure that you are able to, you know, I call it feed the mouths, but it is so much more than that. You know, we talked a little beforehand, the passion, it's like, how do you build a business without focusing on building a business? Because then you have, you know. Passion will only get you so far. Um, like, like anything, it's, you need to find a balance uh, among a lot of things it's you know how motivated is your team how good are the projects uh, how what's your, your how do you deal with clients uh client relationships all those things we've been fortunate enough to have clients uh, once we kind of get them through the door that mentality of how we tackle projects and how we deal with clients tends to work really really well and we tend to get reoccurring work and by just I think, well, simply put, being good to work with, the word of mouth has allowed us to kind of have a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense where it's it's kept us going. And we, uh, you know, and then the work sometimes speaks for yourself. And I honestly, I think a lot of these things are a lot of luck. Um, and I forget, so I was talking to somebody about this 
and I think I think the luck is when coincidence and preparation align or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, the preparations very, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, the preparations obviously. You know, your your portfolio, your work, and 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 all these things. But you also have to be, you know, talking to the right person at the right time or somebody like right now we're we're working really closely with Panda Express. Okay. Um, and so we've we've been doing a number of videos. I'm absolutely amazing team, uh, dream client, to be to be honest. And you might not expect that from a big uh, corporation. Uh, they've they've been absolutely a dream. We've we've been very fortunate with a lot of um, clients. And I think it that's, has to do with how we approach episode last night that started. <laughs> and I yes. 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 They actually worked with the people. It wasn't just a complete joke. They actually worked with the Rick and Morty team. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, the people at Panda Express, they're, they, they've been absolutely amazing. And the, you know, we've gotten uh, nothing but absolute love and respect. Uh, and given that back, uh, when we get feedback, it's, it's not just somebody giving their opinion because they feel they have to, which very often happens, especially in a corporate environment. Yeah. But it's actually really, oh, that's actually, that, that would actually make it better. Thank you so much for coming with that insight. And yeah, I mean, that trust, again, it's been built for every project we do with them more and more uh, love and respect. And, and it has allowed us to, now we're currently uh, working on a, amazing mixed medium project uh, that's 3d and 2d merged together and then we go inside of different uh, storytelling styles and um kind of telling the story of of the lunar new year and it's in many ways is a dream project and it's it it's it's been amazing how amazing they are as a client uh, but you know and and they've they've been a, a big uh, They've had a, obviously had a financial effect on us in the last year, and that was pure luck. They saw a a the TVC the the TV commercial that we made for KFC uh, for the COVID, which was also kind of a coincidence. A friend of mine that runs an agency they had KFC uh, as their main client. They were doing this big uh, film production shoot that had to get canceled because COVID was now a reality. Uh, early 2020 and so they're like okay but we still have the tv spot and we kind of need to communicate that we're still open and yeah, for delivery yeah. so we had 10 days essentially to put together a, a full tv commercial with absolutely makeshift assets of chicken wings and, and whatnot turned out great we we did different variations of this for almost two years the client absolutely loved it but regardless they accidentally found this while looking for some references somewhere online and just really loved what we did. I would call that a absolute fluke coincidence. Again, preparation meets coincidence. So there's a lot of luck in there. Um, and then there's also just hard work. We used to work, still do, uh, but especially during uh, what 2020 and 2021, we worked very closely with uh, the, the Adidas team, with their with their internal creative uh, house, uh, Studio A. We would, I mean, they were by far our, our absolutely biggest client. And 
also absolutely amazing to work with. Uh, again, we've we've been blessed, but I would I'd like to think it's it, in return of us being nice to work with and easy to work with. It kind of sets the stage while still keeping a high level of deliveries and, and professionalism. But unfortunately, they uh, in the beginning of this year they I, I I had some lunch lunch with a few of them, and they basically you know, stakeholders, all these things, they now need to be a little bit more stingy with uh, working with external partners, which is fully understandable. But that, that went, that went from a lot of revenue from one client and a lot of amazing work, et cetera, to just nothing. So, you know, you win some and you lose some. Like I kind of mentioned, you know, in, in winning some and losing some, how much, you know, I remember, there were periods of time when I, you know, with the agency that I sold last, we would get hot and we'd have so much income in that it would be like, oh, you know what? It's not cool. It's not. And then all of a sudden we'd gotten, a, we had, I had allowed the agency to grow faster than I think we should have. And we had, we had a bigger, we had a bigger structure than I had built the infrastructure. So we were not doing the level of work that I wanted to. So I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just, but we lost our whale. And one, I let the agency have a whale, which is always the no-no of any type of agency world, but it's hard um, to say no. But like, because we had turned down work into this this high growth period, it took so, it literally took that another six months, six months again, back going and really a year and change before we started really getting that type of inbound that we had had previously. How do you balance that, you know, as the owner, the creative, you want to make sure you're doing the right work, but at the same time, you never know when you're going to lose an idea or it's not even that you lose them. You know, they've been in the press. There's some stuff going on, you know, that's outside your control completely within the corporate environment. How do you consistently balance that, the need to have, because every client is going to leave, no matter what you want or hope or pray for or enjoy or whatever. Top, you know, they, you know, the people you work with leave, new people come in with their own relationship, whatever. There's a gazillion things. Even if they stay, you can never, you can't guarantee it. How do you balance that need? Because... As I said earlier, you have mouths to feed. How do you balance that need to kind of grow yet keep the work? Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I think there's a lot of luck that goes in. Uh, it's especially, especially, you know, there's, there's the agency that kind of has the end client and we have some end clients, but we don't run their entire ad campaigns, et cetera, um, at least not at the moment. Um, we create them, we, we sort of support them and, and make sure that the message gets across and they achieve their, their, their goal. So we are a lot more, even more vulnerable to that because it's more, even more of a project basis. And maybe for another project, they, 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 somebody else is a better fit. But it comes back to saying no to work is... I think sometimes good with a balance, uh, but always coming, always coming with a solution. So it's never just a blink, blatant no. So you're not cutting off that that hand that's feed, that feeds you, if, if that makes sense. Be like, look, yeah. we, no, it does. 
always try to be like helpful. Just yesterday, we got a brief um, from uh, from an agency in in Dubai that we've we, we worked closely with. Uh, they're they're absolutely amazing. They throw a lot of briefs our way, and and quite frankly, a lot of times they they don't pan out. So they throw through us this this brief, amazing watercolor kind of frame by frame, beautiful work. And then which tends to be quite common for the region is it needs to be done in four weeks. Uh, like, <laughs> Triangle. <laughs> so instead of being like, this can't be done, no. I, I'm like, hey, this is how we would make it. And and they they know when they come to us, we're, we clearly say no when we don't believe that we have the time or the budget or et cetera to make this yeah. good. So they, they only come to us, they, they, you know, if we're not going to like take it on and end up kind of fumbling on the finish line because we didn't have enough time. No. And that gives us also, I think some, some leverage, you know, that, that trust that they know that what we say we can deliver. So, uh, instead of just saying, look, this is, this is dumb. Uh, this is, there's no way to be done. I kind of explain the thought process. Hey, look, because of the realism they want and because of the, the, the art direction and the medium, this is how it'd be done. It would be these steps. It's simply not enough time to get that done and approved done properly. You know, the keyword being properly, we can it be done. Sure. Will it look good? No. So it can't be done properly. However, you know, if the client is willing to have a longer timeline, if this is not a very, you know, because I don't, I don't know the details at this point, if they're willing to do a longer timeline, maybe we could work with that budget because it, it's an interesting portfolio piece. So we also something that uh, you can consultant Joel he has a very interesting way of defining if you take on a project or not. And there's always more factors, but you can simplify it to uh, the three R's. I think he, he calls it real. So is it good for your portfolio reward as is the budget good Money. Yeah. and relationship? So what's your relationship? Do you want to help these people out? Uh, this one, you know, the relationship absolutely. And, and, and the real, it would be a beautiful piece if we had the time to do it. Uh, so I said, Hey, look, can't do it. No, can quote unquote, can't be done, you know, properly. But if you, if the client has, let's say four months, plus to do it and we can start maybe after the new year's because we have other things in the pipeline we'd be happy to discuss how we can help you do this uh, within that budget if the agency realizes or if the client and you guys realize that this is not actually a feasible pitch or 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 project we are more than happy to jump on a call with the agency uh, with the creatives to because we also have you know our our expertise is incredibly valuable to for for them to tap in to be like look this is a problem we want to tell this story but we only have these four weeks because especially when it comes to production especially animation a small thing can be cool this can take six months or a year or kind of you know similar for the general public a similar look and feel a uh, slightly different approach could be half the time or, or or less. You know, there's there's so many things that the expertise of having done the work can really bring in. Um, so we're we're offering that because then 
well, very likely that we're going to get to do the work. We're being helpful. Again, building relationship, building trust. Um, and it also makes these people want to help us. You know what I mean? We're now at a point where we can just blatantly say, cool, what's the budget? Because most of, most of the time they're like, hey, what is this going to cost? Well, you tell me, how much do you have to spend? And I'll tell you if that's realistic. Because if it's more than, than you know, time, time and budget, that d defines everything. Otherwise, we're just wasting each other's time. Time, budget, quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's actually how we approach any project. And it we, we still quote, you know, it's not always they have a budget. Um, but we we found a way to really explain that to clients to be, we're trying to help you. You're helping yourself and us by just telling us at least a budget range. Because if you have 30 to 50 in mind, you know, that's, you don't, you don't know. It depends on what you're going to get for it. Sure. I get that. You don't always have a fix. That's fine. That's fine. But you, you definitely have a ballpark because sometimes it's like two and it's like, why, you know, that you go, go fish uh, <laughs> or it's, it's, or it's 150. Uh, and then oh, cool. Then, then let's, let's talk about what, what amazing options we have, depending on what, what it, we're making, of course. And I always loved when it was that. I think it, yeah, sorry, go on. No, I just think that it, I think a lot of people have lost, uh, they're so fixated with pitching and they're fixated with hourly rates and time. And it's like, look, it, it doesn't really matter. It's like, what is, how much money do you have to spend? What does this solve? And what is this worth to you? Mm -hmm. How can we make it worthwhile for us to then make it worthwhile for you? Absolutely. And, and, you know, some, it, yeah, exactly. What, what is it worth to us as well? Is this something that we want to work on? Kind of those three R's is maybe the budget, is sufficient or maybe sub subpar but it's it's a project that you really wanted to get into your portfolio we actually did this with uh, earlier this year uh we we did a lot of sort of post-production work um green screen and, and cleanups and all these kind of things and editing and we found that a lot of these shoots they didn't have a vfx supervisor on set uh, things weren't lit. They weren't really because nobody on set has done said post-production and also the prepping and everything. And we realized that there's an opportunity there for us to actually just the creative we do all the time. Anyways, we storyboard it out, write the script, all those things, go shoot it. We have a producer in house that knows how to organize those things. And then you hire the crew to do the actual shooting, maybe even hire a director to actually direct it on the one or two or three days that you're shooting. And then we're at the post-production, but we actually have had control of the whole pipeline and could therefore have better assets and, and all these things. But we didn't have any of these, this kind of work in our portfolio. So we, people wouldn't necessarily come to us for film. So we actually made a decision to, hey, look, we're going to spend the entire budget you have on just filming. We'll do the pre-production and post-production free of charge. And that's, that's a choice that we, we made as an investment essentially to elevate the portfolio and, and broaden our portfolio to be able to take on a wider range of work. Well, you guys are hitting your creative stride. You're building a really cool agency. You know, you're working with cooler and cooler clients, being able to find cool work to do with them. 
how are you looking to not define the success of where the agency is going? Because it looks like the kingdom is going to do quite well. You know, yes, I know there's tons of work to make sure that continues. But what's success going to look like for you, Max? What's, as an entrepreneur, what is the success going to be? I think in a way we have, I'm happy to say that we've kind of already reached the success that we set off to do uh, when we started this. We wanted to create uh, a studio that was uh, fairly well-known, respected by those studios that we already respected, do good work have a culture that we're proud of, have, this might sound a bit crazy for some of the listeners, but uh, a dream of mine was to have a suit of armor in the office uh, because it's awesome and we're called Kingdom of Something. Uh, (laughs) We have swords. We got swords and stuff on the wall. When you're with us for a year, you get knighted in, you get your own sword unique to you that fits your personality. Again, the... That's the best thing about the creative industry. It's you're allowed to have fun and you're actually applauded to have fun. You're supposed to be a little bit quirky and it's that balance of professionalism, but weird and fun. I mean, we've had an inflatable, inflatable. I think what one thing that we're quite known for, at least here in Amsterdam, is that at our parties, we, we always have an inflatable cow called the Royal Cocktail Giving Cow that oh. you can milk your own cocktail from. And that sounds absolutely that cool. <laughs> super silly, but it it's it's such a hit because people are unexpected and they're like, what? And it's fun. And who doesn't want to work with talented, fun people that uh, are are easy and good to work with? It's it's a good recipe. But yeah, I think to answer your question, um, yeah, honestly, success is 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 kind of already met, but moving forward is uh, doing bigger and and better things and making sure that this you know obviously you know financial success that that becomes even easier um set up more structure more pipelines um you know scalability to to a point where things run by themselves and i think that's something that we are more and more moving towards um to not make the business reliant on us and we're kind of there in a way uh we're you know, I think for any any business owner, you you your goal and I and I know people that run businesses and they need to be involved in everything. You de- delegation and making sure that that should be, in my personal opinion, everyone's goal is to just get out of the way. You know, be be people's cheerleader. Make sure that you know culture is good. And I think an important thing that I've missed to to mention when I'm talking about culture on repeat, culture is not the inflatable cow. It's not the suit of armor. It's not the the bar. It's not, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the jokes and, and all these things or how easy it is to take vacation days or, or whatever. It's also how you tackle the work. You know, it's how do you, how do you handle client 5 PM requests? Um, how do you, how do people treat each other? How do, what's what's the work ethic and why is the work ethic like that? Um, these these things, I think, as a business owner, is what we need to be the gatekeepers of, because that is hard for somebody else to step in and and do. No, um, yeah, as someone who has built bars and offices and yeah, done the thing, 
the end of the day, it really was the cool things your team did that you never expected that they grew into or they took on or, and you're just like, wait, (laughs) they're doing stuff. I didn't, I remember the first time early, early when it was like, Oh my God, people are doing things. (gasps) Just, yeah, that is a wonderful feeling. And it is exciting to see you guys grow into this because like I said, the work you're doing is on a very, very high level. And that alone is hard enough, let alone to continue building the business side of this. If someone wants to get in touch with you, check out the kingdom, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, They should definitely visit our weird, quirky website and see if you can find the Easter eggs. Uh, Instagram, uh, honestly, uh, our, our doors always open. If you're ever in Amsterdam, come in. We have all kinds of coffee brewers and beverages and uh, have we've spent a lot of time uh, making a very comfortable office. I think a lot of people almost think that it's that somebody lives here to to have somewhere for people to come. But yeah, online email, just reach out. I'm always happy to to chat, uh, always happy to meet people and and help uh, anyone that has any questions or or you know, wondering how to deal with a difficult client or, or whatever. <laughs> or just talk agency. Well, look, we'll put all, we'll put all the URLs and how to find you on Instagram and stuff. We won't put your email cause it'll get scraped, but we'll put it all in the show notes and throw it up on the socials when we, when this episode goes live. Max, thank you very much for spending this time with us. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. It's uh, It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope to chat with you soon. I would love to talk to you again in the future. So let's chat more. All right. Thank you, Matt. Let me know if you're uh, come by Amsterdam. I'll give you a warm welcome. Definitely. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.